Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, friends. This week's Lore Watch is going to come with both a spoiler warning and a content warning. We will be discussing the Sylvanas novel by Christy Golden, we will be talking about specific events that occurred throughout the story and its implication to that of World of Warcraft as a whole. As a result, please be warned that spoilers will be contained therein. We'll be also talking about themes that seem to be present in those moments. This includes themes of self-harm, death, loss, as well as gaslighting and other adult themes. If you are sensitive to these, it may be best to skip this episode. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in your favorite video games. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and today, unf- Matt's not here, unfortunately. He's got a little pressing engagement going on uh, where he is doing this thing called moving. I'm certain you will hear all about it on Tuesday, so be sure you, you, you tune in for that. But I have two wonderful guests, longtime friends of the show, who have agreed to come on and join the discussion. And I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves to you. Let's start with EJ. My name's EJ. Uh, I've been playing WoW for a very long time, apparently, uh, and I'm one of the co-hosts on a little podcast called Girls Gone WoW, which is a community-based podcast where we just talk about um, what you're doing in WoW. It's a bit like, we like to say it's a bit like going to the pub with us. Um, so if you are a casual player or a hardcore player, whatever sort of play, well, you can come along and have a little chat with us. Wonderful. And our second guest is Raven. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Raven. I'm the other co-host of Girls Gone Well. I have also been playing World of Warcraft for a very long time. Not as long as EJ, because it's EJ's fault that I'm playing World of Warcraft (laughs) in the first place. 
recently Maybe. I've also yeah, yeah recently I've also got into playing Elder Scrolls online um and I do also Twitch stream a retro games night where we play things that are not World of Warcraft but mostly mostly it's World of Warcraft all the way down and has been since 2009 in my case. <laughs> It is quite a long time, and I'm glad to have you all joining us in uh, what has been called Elder Warcraft players, but that's a topic for another show. <laughs> Elder is fine, because Elder denotes some sort of wisdom. Oh. And apparently unlocking something. <laughs> wow. Ooh, hello, is there a fairy did in you a bottle? Win a, did you win a prize? <laughs> like, Wow. Well, the prize today is actually we're going to be talking about something that uh, I, I know our listeners at home you've been waiting for, uh, and it's we're going to be talking about the Sylvanas book today. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out and have guests on this show, because everybody knows that I predominantly play Horde, and I have since uh, Mist of Pandaria. And so I get called out on this a lot, that a lot of my bias seems to be towards Horde, which, again, even though I play both factions, I can understand how that would be. So I reached out to people who don't <laughs> and have <laughs> very strong opinions about things that have happened from the Alliance side. So, yes. and I figured with a character like Sylvanas, who is divisive would be it, polarizing is a really good word for it. You either love her or you hate her. There really doesn't seem to be any shades of gray there. Uh, so let's start by before reading this novel, what were your opinions on the character of Sylvanas? We'll start with Raven. Uh, okay, so I'm a night elf druid. I'm only a night elf druid. I rolled my main character on the 1st of January 2009. She is a night elf druid, and she is the only character I have ever played to any degree. So Sylvanas has not exactly been my favorite person in the entire history of, of Warcraft for some time now. I didn't ever think uh, I was gonna understand what happened at Teldrassil and actually I mean I guess we're gonna get into this later but the book really has changed a bit the way I feel about it but yeah certainly before reading the book I was pretty unhappy with uh, her as a character I also didn't think particularly recently she's been particularly well written I think they've not done themselves any special favors uh with the way that they've been putting her together during kind of leading up to shadowlands and in shadowlands but yeah certainly not a sylvanas fan is how i would describe myself and what about you ej i have uh so i mainly i mainly play alliance um and and i started out as a night elf actually um but i'm a gnome these days um i have I have always had, sympathy is the wrong word, um, I have always had compassion for Sylvanas, even before reading the book, even before we got into the meat of Shadowlands, because I thought that anybody who had gone through the terrible experiences she did, just with Arthas, forget anything else, just the whole thing that she went through with Sylvanas, that will do something, like, that would that would even them like that would hurt anybody that would change who they are fundamentally um even before you get into sort of souls being ripped out and that sort of stuff so i always felt compassion for her for what she had been through whilst not condoning what her actions were 
And that's where I was before I came into the book. I was like, and also there were some things that happened with games. So obviously Tell Dressel happened and the horror of the moment when I was on my night elf and I was trying to rescue the survivors and I realised you can't complete that quest. You cannot rescue those 99 people. There is no way to do it. That moment in my stomach when I felt that, I was just like, this is this is terrible. This is absolutely mm. terrible. And I'm normally quite completionist on quests, and I just avoided doing that quest again. I mean, I've done the, the stuff with Ysera in um, Val Shirar. breaks my heart every time, but I do it because it's so powerful. Um, so that's where I was with Teldrassel, but I was, but all the way along, I was like, I don't believe it. I don't believe the narrative that they're telling us that just because there's this night elf going, you, but we've still got hope. Um, I didn't believe that it was just a snap moment in Sylvanas's brain that was like, oh, well, because of you, you've pissed me off a bit. I'm going to burn a world tree. I didn't believe it. And I, I was like, there's more going on here. Um, and I've always said that the worst thing that could ever have happened to Sylvanas is that she gets her humanity back. Because obviously Arthur's ripped part of her out. And now whether that was that she was somehow made whole and alive again, or she got her soul back, I wasn't quite sure. But I always said that's the worst thing that could ever happen to her because then she will become the Ranger General. Mm -hmm. And how is she going to ever live with herself? Um, and so that's where we, I think she's, I've really enjoyed her as a character. I think she's very complex and she's one of the few female characters in WoW that's always been complex. Mm -hmm. And not in a bad way, right? Like not in, not in being yeah. fridged, not in, no. not in having her things being completely uh, dictated by who she's in a romance with. Yeah. yeah. And this is the problem, you know, for so long there, you know, I mean, the point where you used to be able to click on Jaina and she'd say, shh, I'm thinking, uh, you know. As a woman playing a video game, um, women have not been well represented <laughs> anywhere. But obviously in Blizzard, they haven't been well represented until more recent times. Um, yeah. Whereas she has always been a very strong character. So even though she was on the opposing faction, she was always fascinating. And that's one of the things you hit on something that I was going to bring up. And I think this is kind of an important distinction with this book. There are a lot of people that are on the fence about whether or not to read this book. And actually one of the questions we've gotten a lot recently, whether it's in DMS or uh, through Twitter messages, emails is, should I read this if I don't like the character? And I'm yeah. going to say yeah. yes. And I would, yes. you would agree yes. with that. Yeah. Part yes. of that, yes. part of that is because there's been a lot of story gaps surrounding her for over the course of 20 years that this game has been out mm -hmm. uh, 25. If you include the RTSs, um, everything about her past, we've been given little tiny snippets. We've been given bits and pieces and it sort of fit with, the, I don't want to say the mysterious motif of the character, but for lack of a better term, she wasn't a very open person by the time we have started to interact with her. And what Christy Golden had the free reign to do here, I believe, uh, especially because she works so closely with the narrative teams and she works with that group of people. Uh, by the way, hi, Steve. Hi, Anne. Um, she understands that pre part quite well and brings it to the story. And one of the interesting things about this book, for those of you that are also on the fence about Warcraft books, 
is unlike other ones, this is all framed in terms of a conversation. And I thought it was a very interesting literary device to utilize where it's a conversation between her and Anduin in the sanctum of domination as she's trying to sway him to the side of the jailer. And I thought it was very telling that at this point she decided I'm going to just be honest. I'm going to tell him Mm. everything that happened because we're so close to the end of the plan. There's no reason to be afraid of it anymore. What did you guys think of that? EJ? Yeah. I, I, oh, oh. Or Raven. Either one. <laughs> no, I thought it was a really interesting uh, framing device. And it's interesting because you can see you can see the scene, right? Even because they did the cinematic where she goes and like you see him in his bubble and they have a conversation. So you've got a sort of visual reference for it as well if you if you played through the game. I just thought it was really I thought it was a really fascinating way of having that conversation. And also because it allowed Anduin to respond to what she was saying and uh, point out some maybe home truths to her that she (laughs) maybe hadn't quite got to or didn't want to admit to herself. And it gave it it was a very interesting framing because you got to hear a lot of stuff from her own retelling of her life that we've never heard before that was fascinating, just completely fascinating and really filled in some blanks. But then uh, the framing allowed Anduin to challenge some of those thoughts and to challenge some of those uh, interpretations and actually helped you sort of see the character's uh, change of mind about some of the things that she'd been told, particularly by Zaval um, and how she'd been essentially gaslit. Like he helped, Anduin really helped her to sort of understand that. So yeah, I thought the I thought the framing of the narrative worked really really well here. I thought it was very it was very strong, especially since uh, we were talking about this a little bit on Girls Gone Wow. Christy had a really difficult job to do mm-hmm. here. Oh yeah, because she's got a very limited scope, so she can there's very very free reign on Sylvanas's early life because we don't know anything about that. Um, so that I felt was really the strongest part of the book for me. But then you've got the notes you've got to hit. Like the the, the yeah. Sylvanas just did these things, and they just happened mm-hmm. when they happened. And we know all about what happened with Arthas, and we know all of what happened with the Undercity, and we know what happened with her becoming uh, the leader of the Horde. And we know, like so. There's a lot of points where we where it, it, the character just has to get there, and Christy doesn't have any kind of control over those. They just exist. And some of them, particularly the later ones, don't necessarily make an awful lot of sense. They so don't hit I did well, feel yeah. For, yeah, I did feel for Christy trying to, like, because she just has to take the character. That Sylvanas just has to do this, and then she has to do this. And then there's one or two places later on where it's like, oh, yeah, you've tried really hard to give her the motivation to do that. And it's, it doesn't 100% make sense, but you've, you've done better than anybody else possibly could have done. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, hats off there. But yeah, I thought the framing was was really helpful. EJ? I think Anduin becomes... So if you've not read the book and you've been on the fence about it, Anduin becomes us, the player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, that Anduin is just like, so, hey, that thing you did, that, that was a bit weird. That seems like quite... Uh, she says, trying to think of a way of not swearing... That seems like a ridiculous thing. There we go. Ridiculous thing to have done. Why would you do that? Because that doesn't make any sense. A lot of questions that we've all had 
along the way. And that's why um, that's why Anduin works. And having a conversation with Anduin works so well. Um, because we've all had questions. And some people have had questions about her all the way along. Some people perhaps would just be like, tell Russell, what was that about? Um, and it's almost like an interview with Sylvanas. They could have called it an interview with Sylvanas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really could have. Like, yeah, yeah, it's almost like, welcome to the show, Sylvanas. So, hey, what was your early life like? Um, but done in a much more, much more beautiful way. Because yeah. she's trying to bear her soul. She's trying to, she feels like she's on the the doorstep of, a whole like a whole new world, but a whole new existence. <laughs> a whole new yes, my, I'm sorry, my. <laughs> but she is. Like, she still at that moment. She still believes mm-hmm. everything because of the way that she's been manipulated. She was treated so badly by Arthur. She's been manipulated by the jailer. She just doesn't want anybody to have to deal with the pain and the suffering and the torture that she has, and. She's become so um, tunneled into this. uh, And she's like, I have to do, like, if I have to tell you my entire story to make you believe, then I will do it. She's, she's, there's a desperation about her. And there's also slightly, uh, like, a, there's a gentleness about her in the way that she talks to Anduin, which seems really weird because she's never been a gentle character as far as we know. We're going to get into why that is in a minute though. Before we, before we go any further, I want to, I want from at this point, if you've listened to the first 15 minutes of this podcast and you've been on the fence about reading the book, go ahead and read the book, pause now and come back and listen to the rest of this later, because what's going to happen from here on out is we're going to be talking about specifics from the book and there will be spoilers. Um, I hate to put it like that, but the book's been out for a while. We've we've given everybody, I think, a six weeks at this point. Uh, yeah. Yep. Even so in the, even in the UK, we've had six weeks. Also, can I just say, uh, if you don't like reading the book, the audiobook go is to masterful. Audible and oh. listen to Please. Patty Matson reading the book to you, uh, and that will improve your life immensely. So I'm so I am told. Like everyone keeps telling, I hate audiobooks. It, I only ever read proper books. Everyone says that this is the audiobook to read. A further so, endorsement. Uh, I've, I've read the physical book twice, and I've listened to the audio twice. Like, but that said, yeah. now I think it's time that we can start getting into specifics. So mm. now there's parallels here. Like you were talking about EJ, where they they she fills in a, a lot of like the early stuff that we mm. didn't know about Sylvanas and her life with. Uh, basically the High Elves uh, at the time. They weren't Blood Elves yet. With her family. With with the Fire Striders. And the things that we knew before this is very, very limited. We know that she was the youngest Ranger General ever to take the mantle. We knew that her parents were killed in some tragic accident, but we only know that because of Alaria and the fact that Alaria had turned down being uh, the Ranger General, leaving it to Sylvanas to fulfill that role. And that uh, in doing so, uh, Ilaria came to hate the orcs, but we never really put two and two together. Why? Aside from, yeah, the horde caused a lot of devastation. And we also knew that they had a brother that died and they did talk about that. And actually his grave has been in the game for a very long time. Oh, okay. So where did he come up previously? Because we, like many other people who had read this book, had forgotten that there was ever mm-hmm. any reference to, to Lirath in the game. 
So when you start interacting with all of the sisters, uh, when you talk with Illyria and Valeria, uh, when you start, or Varisa and Illyria, when you start Varisa, talking yeah. to uh, them, there are quests that start making reference to it as early as Burning Crusade. Oh, okay. So uh, I just, I mostly eradicated the Burning Crusade from my which brain. Which is fair. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's probably why. But the interesting thing here, and I think this is where some of the parallels that you were talking about earlier and why that gentleness comes in is you understand that her mother was a very strong-willed person. Her father was the diplomat. Her mother was all about sacrifice and duty. Her mother then bred all three of the daughters into that same, like, motif. They were duty and honor, and that's above everything else. And they were always, all of them, at each other's throats, at least on the mother and daughter side, with the father trying to play diplomat between them, until Lyrith was born. And Lyrith actually, him being born, stopped a huge family fight. And you realize how much, like, he was the softness at the core of the hard edges of the family. He was the voice of beauty. He was the realization of everything that the Farstriders and the Ranger General were sworn to protect. And that's, I think, an important framing. What, what do you think about that? Yes, I mean, yes, because of their because of their duty and their sacrifice, somebody like Lyrith could be themselves and could be the the gentler person didn't have to be involved in warfare and violence and diplomacy. They could just exist freely and not have to worry about those things um and I suppose that's that sort of innocence is the thing that Sylvanus is trying to fight for all the way through. All of this is to get back to that point where it's all okay. The struggle is gone. There's no loss. There's no suffering. You can just exist and it's okay. And Lyrith, um, Lyrith was all of those things, all of those things. She, you know, the moments when, you know, she first gets to see him, and she pledges to look after him, and she pledges to look after her, her. Um, um, oh, I've forgotten what she calls him. Little, little lion. No, no, little. Little lion is Anduin, isn't it? Little lion is Anduin. Little lord's son. Little lord's son. Lord. Sorry, yeah. Yep. Yes, her little lord's son, um, and and you know, and then just reading about sort of how she looked after him and how she wanted to protect him from anything, you know, the point where she didn't want him even to learn how to pick up a weapon or to protect himself because she wanted to shield him from all of that. Um, and then she goes on on to want to shield the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. From, you know, she, she takes her, her the responsibility she had as the reign of general and she now takes that and she now must protect everybody because of her grief of losing um, both her parents. And that sort of comes in the book out of nowhere. We're just like, oh, they've gone off to do a thing. Oh, they're dead. You know, it's a bit of a sort of like, hold on, I was just reading about them. How did that happen? And and, and I want to get to that because I think that's also another important keystone of Sylvanas as a character. But I want to hear Raven's uh, take on the first part with Lyrith. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I can add much more to what EJ has said, really. I mean, her um, 
he was just everything in the world that she wanted to she wanted to look after he was the most precious thing um mm. and she wanted him to be able to for, you know do his music and uh have a beautiful life in the court with the royal you know in the royal palace doing all these amazing things um and of course his desire to help um later on uh, proved stronger than um her desire to protect him which was deeply deeply tragic but yeah i don't i don't think there's much i can add to that to be fair so what ej was alluding to and i think is another important cornerstone is when the parents death coming out of nowhere it is and it didn't right like we all kind of knew that it was coming at some point if if we yes. knew the background right and we know that she had to become ranger general at some point and the only two ways that happens is the ranger general dies and the heir takes over or they retire and they didn't talk about any of the ranger generals retiring ever yeah right in the retiring sort of a role <laughs> they, not, no exactly so the in the book they go off and they wind up getting news that the parents had, had been murdered. The entire party is senior fire striders. And when they go to investigate the scene, uh, she brings, first of all, she brings Nathanos with her at this point. We've gotten to see the burgeoning relationship there uh, as he is an uncomplicated, uh, but stalwart companion who understands her role and her tribulations more than any of her friends do actually. Um, understands the bucking of what are expectations and trying to find your own way within yep. what is told is going to happen for you. Um, she brings him along because he knows horde activity and she suspects that it's the horde. And before this, her sister and her were trying to convince King Anastarian that they need and her mother that they needed mm -hmm. to do something to help the Alliance out against the Horde, because if they are that big of a threat, it's only a matter of time before they come for them. So they go and they investigate the scene and the Royal Observer is there and everybody's looking at it. And the first thing they say is this is very clearly a troll attack, but it doesn't mm. sit right with her. She knows this, this is their The Amani are their long-term enemies and this is too far away. Their numbers are already small enough. Why would they travel this far to attack? What are some of the most combat capable uh, folks in the entirety of silver moon? Why not yeah. attack closer? They went right past the gates of Zulaman, right? Yeah. Why not hit them there or closer to it? And so they start looking and then Nathanos points out, it's not what you're looking for here. What's missing. And so they start yeah. looking and they start realizing that arrows had been retrieved, but not all of the arrows had been retrieved. The only ones left were the ones that were specifically trolls. Yeah. Um, and then so she but they go searching. She can't find any hard evidence. She can't find any proof of anything other than a troll attack. And so she goes back home. She goes back to the, the Windrunner village. And her father's horse shows back up with a wound. And in that wound is an orc a horde arrow, not yeah. a troll arrow. She takes this evidence and she brings it to the court, which she had already established at this point. She did not trust. She did not like going to court. She did not like dealing with highfalutin uh, sort of <laughs> sort of prim and proper types. That was not who she was. And this person, King Anastarian, who is supposed to be their friend of the family, supposed to care for them, who was the one that was heartbroken having to deliver the news, to all of the children, all four of them at this point, looks at it, sees the evidence, 
and then tells her he's going to do nothing. Yeah. It is another betrayal of those that are supposed to care. There's no vengeance. There's no reaching out. There's no help. There's no hope. And I thought that was an important moment because now we understood why Alaria hated the, the horde and the orcs in particular, which now makes much more sense. Yeah. We, we understood why the blood elves or the high elves at this point didn't get involved in the war. Yeah. Which is a question that had never been answered before. Mm-hmm. We just knew yeah. that we just knew that they stayed up there and we thought that yeah. it was because they were being tied up with the Amani. No, it's because King Anisterion said nothing and yeah. he, and actually burned the evidence. What did you guys think of that playing out? I mean, that's the first big, big betrayal in her life, isn't it? This is the first time that somebody who's supposed to protect her and her family is like, no, I mean, we've. Like her father tried to teach her about diplomacy and she wasn't hugely interested <laughs> in it, yeah. shall we say. Uh, so to have such a, a raw political decision, I mean, Anasterian believed he was doing the best for his people. Mm-hmm. He believed he was protecting his people by not pitting them against the horde. Um, that, you know, I, that, he definitely made that decision from a sort of, a place of wanting to keep his people safe. He thought he was acting for the greater good, but obviously um, it didn't give her any of the satisfaction that she wanted. And ultimately it wasn't the best gamble for him or his people either. So that's certainly, I mean, that kind of trauma, that's definitely going to be the seed because if he'd done something then, then maybe none of the rest of it would have happened. Like, that is the pivotal moment. Like, he could have responded in force. Maybe that would have helped the Alliance see off the horde. Maybe it would have been, like, maybe everything would have been different after that point. But no, that's definitely the the seed single beginning moment, I think, to this whole uh, sorry tale for her. Anything there? Yeah. Betrayal. You know, betrayal is a theme that comes up time and again for Sylvanas, um, which is which is why she ends up going down the route that she does, because when somebody comes to her and supposedly says, here, here are all my plans, I lay them out to you, um, she's, she's vulnerable enough to accept that. Well, the interesting thing, just to point out real quick, is that all the times that that's happened to her, it's from somebody who's in a position of power above her. Yeah. Yeah. Offering her protection or yeah. or as a subordinate almost, right? Yes. So I yeah. think that's yeah. important too and why some of this other stuff happens later. Yeah. So to your both your points, that seed comes to fruition years later when the Horde attack the High Elves. Yeah. Riding red dragons, starting fires... Uh, going to war and battle, and this is where the other, I would say, the other heartbreak happens for her. Yeah. Because in this moment, she rushes home uh, to check on Windrunner Village, realizes that everybody, and I mean everybody at Windrunner Village, is dead. Yeah. She goes and finds the body of somebody who she thought she recognized and didn't and didn't want to her brain didn't want to connect the dots and as she goes to the body it's Lyrith who in armor hastily donned in a sword and uncalloused hands 
lays there in his own blood. Um, and she is heartbroken. A vow she made on the day he was born is broken and it shatters her. And then the pieces don't even have a chance to hit the ground before they break again because of her mind and how it works. She starts putting the pieces together of how did it get to this? He should be in Silvermoon. He should have been safe. He should have been behind the wall with the spellbreakers. Wait a minute. Didn't Verisa say that we should do this? Oh, no. My sister who also swore to protect him, who is in the Farsh Riders, who is my subordinate in the hierarchy, who understands me more than anybody else in my family did, agreed to train him in secret while she was still doing her Farsh Rider training. And as a result, because of that decision, Lirith died. He died trying to defend the people of the Windrunner village and his friends and family. He still died. And that those pieces shattered and broke Sylvanas' relationship with Verisa. Mm. Illyria had abandoned them. Illyria had gone off through the dark portal yeah. or, or had done all this stuff. She, she, she was just not there. And now Verisa wasn't there either because she yeah. couldn't be. She had, been, she had betrayed Sylvanas. And her entire family is broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The stability, everything that, keep, that has kept Sylvanas safe and protected and stable everything has been broken and there's nothing there's nothing that she could have done at that moment but because of who she is she you know she has that guilt that she should have been able to she thought she'd done everything she thought she'd done everything to protect him she thought she was you know she'd taken on the ranger general role she thought she was there she was out doing what she could to protect people and none of it was good enough um you know, how do you come back from that? How do you write yourself at that point? And then we move from that to the ultimately what we do know in game, which is the Death Knight Arthas, who had destroyed the the kingdom of Lauderon, uh, had murdered so many uh, and raised an army of undead, had come marching to the gates of, of Silvermoon looking to corrupt or subdue or subjugate the power of the Sunwell. And in doing so, Sylvanas and her Farshriders go out to meet them, as is their duty. The the battle lines of uh, Silvermoon, the, the, the first defense, and they would have won if it wasn't for, ultimately, a betrayal. That betrayal led to not only her death, but the death of so many. Um, sparing her two closest friends in the Farshriders, as they were able to escape, although not without serious injury to spirit and body, as this is where Lothamar loses his eye, um, is in this moment, and Halderon loses his sense of self, right? Mm -hmm. We see the raising of her as a banshee, where in the game, it's a thing that just happens, and it's she's portrayed as much of the undead, but this is now another problematic point, another cornerstone of this, is she's forced to serve, but she has her mind about her. And the horror of that being trapped in your own, at this point, incorporeal body. Yeah. Being forced to do things like kill your friends and family, kill the innocent, like the order to kill the innocent first that Arthas gives. Like I, I had to walk away from the book for a couple minutes. uh, And then before I came back, is it's like, that's such a, 
it, it is the ultimate perversion of somebody who has, has given their mm-hmm. life and made that yeah. vow. And I'm going to stop talking so you guys can. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and that's just, that's probably, I mean, that'll be why I've always had sympathy and empathy for her. Because if he, if Arthur had ripped away almost everything that was, like everything that made Sylvanas the person that she was, the ranger general that she was, then she could have just been a mindless husk who was an incredible fighter, but he doesn't. He purposely leaves enough of her in there so that she is cognizant of what she's doing, but she is powerless. I mean, the torture, the mind game, the torture. How can you expect anybody to be able to deal with that and come out the other side and go, it's fine, it's okay. Like, nobody nobody can. Um, It's... It's beyond evil. I just, yeah. um, no, I'm with you, Joe. I just, uh, you know, it it brought me to tears because it's just so cruel, so cruel. Everything that she's just gone through, and now this happens to her, and there is nothing she can do. Yeah, I mean, it definitely underlines the pure evil of Arthas at that time, um, and his mindset, uh, and yeah, he's just looking for ways to torture her specifically as well as murder all of these other people um, and achieves it very well. I thought these, this section of the book was definitely the most powerful, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything, this whole section about sort of the, the death of Lirath and then coming up through this, um, through the making of the Banshee, I definitely think was the, was the bit that, um, that I thought was the best, I guess, the most powerful, the strongest bit of the, of the whole narrative as Christie has uh, woven it. Um, but very, yeah, amazing stuff. Definitely uh, lots of emotions for everyone here. And you can definitely see um you, you can definitely see the root of Sylvanas as we as the sort of slightly desperate person who can be won over by the jailer. That's you can see those roots here for sure. Absolutely. And it, the emotional hits don't stop there either, right? Like mm-hmm. From here, we see the the clawing back, trying to main, uh, obtain her freedom, and then the struggle once she does so to get her body back, which had been being kept uh, specifically as a, another torture device for her, yeah. uh, to her gaining freedom, to her breaking away from the Lich King, uh, to her developing a plan and the Forsaken truly becoming born as she tries to fight back against it. Uh, not just you also see in this section sorry you also see in this section the real like strategic thought Mm -hmm. of the ranger general like a lot of these plans that a lot of the things that she has to do this is all long game stuff this is years at this point and she's you can see the um like tireless work towards a towards a very far off goal that you need to just keep going, but think very strategically and very kind of big picture and not get put off by things that you have to do in the meantime that don't move you immediately towards your goal. It's just kind of, you you definitely see the strategic Ranger General Sylvanas in this sort of section of the narrative. Like you definitely see how she is different from other characters that have been subjected to that kind of torture. And you definitely see her strength because she can do that. She can 
she can still think about, okay, so what is the long-term goal here? Well, mm-hmm. I need to, you know, I need to leave. I need to get my body back. I need to like raise the forsaken or pull the forsaken together around me. And she's still able to think about long-term strategic goals, mm-hmm. work towards them um, in a way that, you know, most people would have, um, even most fictional characters um, would just have shattered into a thousand pieces and never have pulled themselves back together. And then we get to see even further emotional despair from that too, right? Because after getting everything together, after taking the Undercity back, there are missing pieces. There's mm. nobody to ally with at this point, uh, but they're former, they're former members of the Alliance. They're on the correct continent for this, having heard that the, the Horde had retreated to Kalimdor. And so she sends emissaries, one who was mm. very excited for the potential to see his child again. Only to be greeted at the gates of Stormwind by death, by not mm. even being able to be heard out, by being seen as those monsters. She then yep. goes and tries to reach out to uh, Lothamar and Hollandris, uh, basically trying to recapture her friends. Like, these are the people who knew me best in life. Mm. But she overhears them and hears what they think specifically of her. That that monster that that decimated our city, that was not her. Our friend died a glorious death protecting those she loved. That can't be her. They're only monsters. And it breaks her heart even further, even though she wouldn't admit it. These are two more extremely powerful things that occurred in a very short period of time in the telling of the story, even though they were years apart. Yeah. Um, And there's hints about... One of the things that the book does really well is um, shatters that idea that Sylvanas, uh, once she becomes the Dark Lady, is unfeeling, Mm -hmm. unloving. There are little nods to it all the way through in the game, Uh, not just thinking about Nathanos, because I think quite early on you can tell that there's something going on with those two, isn't there? Um, you know, in game, you're like, you know, when you've been at a party and you see your friends and you're like, there's a, there's a thing happening. <laughs> yeah, it's before they like declared that. it. Yep. Yeah, there's a, it's a bit like that in the game. You're like, is that, are they, are they? Um, but certainly the, you know, with her, her former friends talking and saying, you know, that's an unfeeling being. There's no, there's no love. There's no sympathy. There's no shred of the person we knew there anymore. Well, there there clearly was. There mm. clearly was. Not everything had, not everything had been taken away. Um, which, again, like I said, given everything she's been through, is incredible. Mm. You can go through all that, and still there is that that little bit of compassion, and um, the compassion she shows towards the the forsaken at that point, um, and the and. That her whole motivation is based on compassion. That's the big thing about Fulvanus. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want anybody to go through the the hardship she has been through, and so that underli- the underlying point of that means that there's some compassion there. Mm. And, and along feeding into that too, the the thing that we see after that is her searching for Nathanos, mm-hmm. where we see that compassion that 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 devastation of finding him seeing him completely uh as a desiccated husk of his former self and then being there day in day out 
trying to get him to claw back uh, from what it is to like be so far under the influence of of being the scourge, being this mindless this body, uh, to where he emerges and they start to she starts to have an anchor again, an anchor she doesn't have anywhere else. And yeah. you realize the depth of her compassion because if it was purely a strategical standpoint, she didn't need him. She wanted him. She could yeah. have she could have found another champion. She could have found a, a servant as good as him. It wasn't about that though. And I think yeah. that's really telling. Yeah. I just, the thing that surprised me the most about this book uh, was the way it made me actually really like the Thanos right? character. <laughs> yes. I've hated yeah. him for years I, until this book. Yeah. How do I suddenly like the Thanos black caller? What the fuck is going on here? Oops. There that's, you go. That's, that's, one. that's, that's our, that's our, that's our one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, um, from, back in, from back in vanilla where you had to take 40 people to go and like, murderate him outside his farmstead with his two big doggies um like nobody's ever had a good word from the thanos ever. we were all at the beginning of when they bought that back at the beginning of shadowlands we were all so happy to be able Everybody to go was. and kill the yeah. thanos again and again <laughs> and again and after reading this i feel a tiny little bit guilty actually <laughs> So yeah, Christy did an amazing job at the at the relationship between between Sylvanas and the Thanos, and, and about fleshing the Thanos out as a character in his own right, mm-hmm. and about um, and about um, setting out um, <laughs> you know what he means to Sylvanas. I, I'm gonna rush through some of the other stuff just because we only have so much time, and I, I, I want to be respectful of your time as well. Uh, but from here, we see a lot of the other major events and things that happened, the induction of the Forsaken into the Horde, what that actually meant and entailed, uh, the respect that Sylvanas actually started getting for people like Cairn, uh, yeah. who spoke on her behalf to the Horde, uh, understanding the political nature of it, but also understanding that they weren't the same political creatures as the Alliance was, as particularly the Elves were when she was growing up and in life. Uh, and then we start to see all the tragedies unfold, the different the the war, the coming together against uh, the Lich King, uh, trying to, the, everything that happened with the lead up to the the Wrathgate and and the fallout from that. There's a ton of of uh, background on that and Putris yeah. as well, specifically. Yeah, uh, yeah, that bit, that like that moment was like phenomenal, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> so again, she's being betrayed. She's yeah, been betrayed she again by somebody yeah. that she raised up from nothing. Uh, yeah. And then from there, we get to the point that we thought we knew everything about, too, which is her. She wasn't there for the death of Arthas. And we knew that was a sore point when the Lich King fell. It was the heroes and uh, I can uh, Paladin boy. I can never remember his name. Ice boy Tyrion. Tyrion. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but. He, we were the ones there. She wasn't there. She didn't get her revenge. She wasn't present. Mm-hmm. This thing that motivated her for so long. So she hurls herself off the the top of Ice Crown. And what we were told is that she sees nothingness. Yeah. Because yeah, that's. So she, say, she says blackness or nothingness. It's one of the two. It's, it's, it's like, the endless void of darkness. Yes. But that's what she tells us in game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we get to know the truth of it. And this is where things start to take a turn as far as filling in everything that happens currently. Yeah. We always suspected that in that moment, and I and, and I want this marked 
folks at home. I said this when Anne was still on the show. (laughs) (laughs) That the Valkyr brought her to the jailer all the way at the beginning. It was either Helia or the jailer. Um, But we see that she is brought to uh, the mall. She is brought and felt all this torture, this anguish. And she is ripped from that torture by the jailer and given his $5 movie pitch, right? Here's what I'm trying to do. Here's everything that happened to me. Here's what I want from you. And here's how we can break this. And he does the one thing that he knows will work on her. And I made this comment in your chat on the live stream, and I think it actually holds true. This is where the gaslighting of Sylvanas by Zoval begins. Yeah. All these tragedies, all these injustices. I know your life. I've watched you for years. You were done dirty. This is, this is not how it is. And I want you to be an equal, not a servant. I don't want to promise you something. I want you here with me as an equal so that you can make your own decisions. He knew every single word, everything she needed to hear to tick every single box. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is something we were just saying on our show as well. Uh, The other, so there are three characters you get to know about in this book that um, you don't know about through other means. One of them is Sylvanas, one of them is Nathanos, and the other one is the Jailer. Yeah. Like, I understand the Jailer's, um, how the Jailer works, and actually he's much more fleshed out as a character in this book than he is in the game. And I'm going to say that I think that's a mistake on Blizzard's part. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they... um, I don't think they've done a good enough job of fleshing him out in game and giving him kind of, I don't, I like from playing the game, I've not really understood his motivations as a, as a villain or his, not necessarily his motivations, but like, he just wasn't very convincing. He's more convincing now I've read this book. Like Christie's given him the backstory that I felt like I needed. I think he's a character at odds, and I think this book proves it. And I want to run this by you, and and, and this okay. is what I got from this this section specifically. He is a mastermind of behind the scenes that has had millennia to try to put his plans into action, and ha- we don't know how many steps have been going on, but he's mm-hmm. always been a background character, and they specifically call this out in the book, particularly where Sylvanas is traveling with uh, the Valkyr to the various regions, such as Revendreth, where she finds uh, Zul'jin. Um, you. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this specifically. He doesn't want to be seen. Mm. It cannot be perceived that he is ready to act, that the things that are happening have any link to him because then the rest of the pantheon of undeath or the pantheon of death will know and come for him before he's able to be powered up. At the point of this, Denathrius hadn't infused the Maw with souls yet. We hadn't killed Argus yet. And so I think that actually worked for his character in the game and explaining why we didn't know jack shit about him, really. Because he didn't want us to. But also it works in convincing Sylvanas to his plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If they know it's me, if anybody works out what I'm doing... This can't happen, and our glorious future, and you know, saving everybody from harm will never be. So I need you to be my, like, uh, my face. I need you to be the person out there, um, which again is, um, you know, I trust you. You are important enough that you can do this for me. And Magic words right there. Me, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Doing this for me, we will get what we want. 
which and, is yeah. to end the suffering. So it's really clever manipulation on his part. Yeah. And there was yeah. one last one last bit in that manipulation too that I think was really important. And I hope I I'm guarantee you guys have picked up on this, and I hope people at home have picked up on it as well. When they showed her everything, like when they took her through uh, the Shadowlands, they told them that they were infinite because it the it was ideal for that specific person in the eyes of the uncaring, unfeeling arbiter. There was no human touch or element to it. There was no compassion to it. And so families were not reunited. Something that she had been mm. banking on since she was alive. Yeah. But if we redo this, if we break the machine, if we rebuild it and do it with compassion, you could be with your family and you could see Lyrith again. Because he knows about yeah. Lyrith at this point. There's no way he doesn't. Right. And that's exactly what she wanted. And this uncaring, unfair universe would be redone. Yeah. And so once those hooks are in, he gives her those prophecies. Prophecies that Anduin rightfully calls out at one point in the book of, don't you see he put all of those in? Mo-? And I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. I that the jailer did all of those things to ensure his prophecies came true because his reach was not limited to you. Yeah. And that's when the doubt starts creeping in. That's where the, the shell that she had built around herself, the armor starts to crack and break. And that's why this conversation with her and Anduin has been so important. This is why it's so important. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly, um, I certainly have a better um, idea of how incredibly manipulative the jailer is at this point. I guess um, I, I do have a problem. Like, I, I mm-hmm. can read Christy Golden books all day. I can absolutely read Christy Golden books all day. Absolutely fine. Anything she writes about World of Warcraft, I'm going to read it. It's fine. Um, but if you play the game, yep. none of this is a None of it's in there. Yep. And it should, if you're going to make a complete product, <laughs> Um, then it kind of should be in there somewhere. Or there should be some allusion to it, or it should be clearer. Because in the game, uh, Zoval is a very unconvincing villain, and it's not um, it's and not clear what's going on. Whereas what Christie's done is really taken some really shoddy writing in-game and really backed it up and filled it out and like turned it into an amazing story. And the conversations between Sylvanas and Anduin in-game, the cinematics, while they are very, very good could have had more allusion to this, right? They yeah. could have had a little yeah, yeah. bit more and maybe bridge that gap. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so then this, this begins the mark of the descent, right? We see all these things start to come to happen. These major events, the broken shore, the Alliance and, and the horde trying to fight together, the fall of Varian Rin, uh, yeah. the fall of Vol'jin, Thrall almost yeah. dying, uh, yeah. her becoming war chief and then being forced to work with the Nathrazim, uh, who, if, you read earlier were instruments of her torture and were instrumental in what happened. And all of this sort of plays together and pushes her towards all these goals. Like she's reached by Malganus, a child of the blood where he says, by the, by the way, you've accepted the jailer's terms. You're his partner now, or not even your partner. You serve the master, um, which is telling. And she didn't like, she was like, no, he's my partner. And Malganus just goes, whatever. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting <laughs> because, yeah, because Zaval's um, gaslighting of her is so complete at that point that she's she's mm-hmm. bought it. She's bought it. She's absolutely, totally sold. 
And uh, Malganis gives it to her quite straight. And she's like, no, thanks. No, um, I, yeah, you don't get it. I see things, I think see things clearly. I see things my way. And Malganis obviously is like, well, this is going to be fun. So we'll yep. just let that happen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Popcorn, exactly. it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought that was very good. And this does begin to help you understand where we're going to get to a bit further along because she's so bought in now. And, th- and this is sort of the point because we're, we're running out of time rapidly here and there's so much we <laughs> could talk about with the, the, this book and, and, and everything that Christy did here. Um, but ultimately that starts the framework f- and the, and why a lot of the things happened. She's told that they need anima. You get anima by souls. The greater the soul, the uh, more anima it has and all the souls are going directly to the maw because we as adventurers did the thing that I always yell about in every single podcast we do uh, where we have reactioned and did not think and just did and we did and caused this ourselves Uh, we killed Argus Argus went to the Shadowlands a being that was never supposed to be uh, killed the Arbiter didn't know how to do it the machine overloaded uh, and now everything's going straight down to the maw so now she's instructed to cause as much death as she can. The thing that she is quote unquote best at, um, yes. and that she enjoys the most. And so she does the burning of Teldrassil. We're told at one point is framed by a conversation she had with one particular night elf. And instead, now we know why she did it. Yeah. yeah. And we know why she was willing to sacrifice all those lives. And again, because she is still buying into the lie that this is going to hurt now this is going to be sacrifices now, but the universe will be remade and all those souls will wind up having paradise at some point because of my actions. They will thank me for this someday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there has to be a small sacrifice now for the bigger picture. Um, and, but it'll all be okay. We're on the right path and nobody understands. Nobody understands the way I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, because because she, she feels like you know because she can't tell um, Sarfang about what's going on, mm-hmm. and then of course she feels again that she gets betrayed by Sarfang, which in yeah. itself compounds the idea in her head that everybody betrays her because they don't understand. Yeah, and she carries on with the jailer's plan, even yeah, because the yeah, j- yeah. And even the jailer tells her nobody understands. Yeah. Nobody understands the vision like you yeah. do, right? This, yeah, I mean, this is the strength of the gaslighting, isn't it? She's He's driving her further away from the reasonable course of action. So everybody else is obviously like, wow, she's mad. Like, we can't let her do this. She's insane, uh, which then reinforces his opinion. Like, this is like the things that he's telling her. This is pretty, um, this is pretty classic stuff. Yeah. And, and I want to encourage everybody. I don't want to go through the entirety of the end of the book simply be, yet because one, we don't have time. And two, yeah. it's worth the payoff of reading it. Um, yeah, definitely. It really is, especially when you get to what is likely at the time of this recording, by the time people are listening to it, uh, patch 9.2.5 will be out. Uh, the last part of the story that will probably be ever available for this particular expansion will be out into the world and will fill in some of those gaps. Uh, but it is, I want to talk about like the fact that Christy Golden is a phenomenal writer. We all know that. But it's her yeah. characterization that I think is yeah. what does it for everything she writes. It doesn't matter what it is. A Diablo book, a StarCraft book, a Warcraft book, any character she's given free reign to give them life is 
instantaneously relatable is instantaneously something you can feel. And she knocks it out of the park with this book in every aspect. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've always been, I've always enjoyed the, the relationship that Sylvanas and Anduin have had, like all the way along, she's had this certain, like she's called him the little lion for such a long time. She's appreciated um, his brilliance of statesmanship. She's mentioned this in game a few times. Yeah, she is always, and I, I was always curious about that. I'm always like, why is, you know, and now I understand. Now I completely understand and what the- it is about Anduin. And the way that the book slowly um, unfolds the different, you know, the different things that happen and why Anduin is so important to her. Um and, and why actually, it's so important that she she wins him over like this yes. is her like this whole book is the last ditch attempt to her to win for him to come willingly which we know he doesn't do because he sees the truth much clearer than she does but this is she's desperate to to, to for him to come willingly into the fold to willingly join into the plan um and we understand why that's so important to her now and I think that's really that that is the gut punch moment for me in the book is when I before the before Christie says it, before mm-hmm. Sylvana says it, I'm like, oh, oh, he's a replacement for Lyrith. Yeah. He is the embodiment of her guilt. And if Lyrith was alive, it would be him in this conversation right now, not Anduin. But Anduin is yeah. everything Lyrith was, except yeah. he got the training to be a fighter to survive where Lyrith didn't. Yeah. And like that moment of realization just made me like, I was driving, listening to the audio book at the time. Oh no. And I, (laughs) I literally had to pull over. I was like, Oh, Oh, Oh damn. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But it was, it was a powerful moment. And I, so I'm going to end this with a question for both of you. I'm going to start with just the question and then we'll start with EJ and then Raven after reading this book, has it changed not only your perception of the characters, but your perception and reception of the Shadowlands expansion as a whole? Oh. Um, I think it's just confirmed what I've always said about Sylvanas. As I said at the top, I've always thought that there was more. I never saw her as just this violent banshee. Um, I always thought there was a lot more going on and it has filled out what I imagined that could be. So it's, if anything, it's just sort of confirmed and reconfirmed what I thought. Um, It has certainly made the Shadowlands, it it makes me wish for the Shadowlands expansion we should have had. And I think there's lots of different reasons why we didn't get the expansion it should have been. Um, I think, I think everybody who's managed to keep going over the last couple of years has done an incredible job, no matter where they work or what they do. You know, the, couple, the last couple of years have been terrible. Yes. Um, but it it makes me it makes me sad in my gamer heart for the expansion we could have had, because the storytelling they do tell in Shadowlands is very good. I enjoy the story that they tell. I've enjoyed the cinematics. I've enjoyed the questing. Um, but it leaves that sort of tiny, sad moment that actually Shadowlands could have been so much more than it actually that it that it ended up 
as. Raven? Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I certainly have a much clearer understanding of Sylvana's uh, motivations and where she's come from and how she ended up doing the things that she did. Do I forgive her for burning Teldrassel? No. No. <laughs> uh, no. Do I think that was a good piece of storytelling in-game at the time? No. Um, I still don't like... I don't like the way a lot of this has been handled in-game. And actually, the, mm -hmm. the places where the book occasionally falls down are where Christie's having to stitch things together... Yeah. Um, I think I said this earlier, but she's having to stitch things together that don't actually quite work. Um, and so I think there have been problems with Sylvanas' story over the past few expansions. And I think Christy has done the best possible job in fixing that and giving her motivations that work and taking her and showing us why she's done all these things. But some of them still don't quite land. Um, and yeah, I think I agree with what EJ just said about uh, Shadowlands. This, um, it didn't. It hasn't landed, and um, it probably could have landed if they'd started in a slightly different place. I mean, even just the lack of being able to understand where Zoval is coming from in-game, like having him just pop up from nowhere and then be like, oh, yeah, but he this goes back to Ice Crown. Like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, that's, not, that's not good gameplay. And even then, technically, it goes um, back further. It goes back to the War of the Ancient. It goes back to the first time the Legion yeah. tried to set foot here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just, you can't, I don't think that's appropriate storytelling. And I don't think it it worked well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sad for the the expansion that we could have had if this if this had all sort of been a bit more apparent from the, from the get-go. Um, but I appreciate that we have this novel so that actually we do understand what happened and that Christy has been able to flesh it out in such a, an engaging and uh, wonderful piece of storytelling. And I have one more question for both of you that I think is really important here uh, because you have a perspective that I cannot give as women who have been playing this game for a long period of time and had to suffer through uh, we'll call them the dark ages of treatment of women <laughs> in the game and stories in general. Um, how do you feel moving forward after not just this book, but knowing that Christy is involved in storytelling and the people that are now going to be working on the story going forward, do you feel like you are going to start getting proper representation and proper treatment of characters that you could identify with moving forward? I mean, we're really hopeful, right? We're really hopeful. And we've been saying this on, on GGW for a long time now. Mm -hmm. We're very hopeful about all of the changes, about some of the changes that Blizzard have made recently. Some of the changes. Uh, some of the changes. Um, we are concerned about the way they keep shooting themselves in the feet, just over like diversity issues and equality issues. And I mean, you know, appointing a, a female co-lead and then paying her less than her male counterpart. Like that was right at the beginning of the thing. I mean, that, but that sort of slightly carry on approach to, um, to doing inclusion and diversity seems to have carried on throughout this whole piece. Um, and so that's really concerning. Obviously, 
Activision have had a lot of a, a role in some of the things that have happened as well. But in terms of what's coming out of the WoW team, in terms of the things we saw in the like the approach to the Dragonflight announcement, the um, you know having a wonderful video for that announcement that had so many different faces in it and different skin colors and different um, like orientations and di- like there was just so much diversity there that looked really good. Mm-hmm. That needs to seep upwards, mm-hmm. right? Yes. We need to be getting people of color and non-cisgendered people and queer people and like other diverse people in leadership positions because the leadership is still very white men. So I think as long as that journey continues, uh, we are we are hopeful. Um, I'm, and I'm more hopeful now than I was what July last year when all of the yeah happened yeah so i'm i'm hopeful but blizzard and indeed the gaming industry as a whole has a long way to go yes it was very telling when um uh when and i cannot remember exactly who it was but it was somebody old school blizzard was like um they'd only sort of thought about changing the way women are represented because their their small daughter was really confused by like why um you know why characters weren't wearing proper armor or um you know you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to wait until something like that happens yeah. to have adequate representation um of different types of characters in your game um certainly there has been an improvement but i mean i know a lot of people didn't enjoy battle for azeroth but there was some really strong writing lovely strong female characters lots of you know and that was a good start again what's been happening with christy um uh she just brings me so much hope um i am much more hopeful i don't think in the future we're going to have women uh just defined by who they're dating or who they have dated you know the stuff that went on with jaina for years is like oh she dated him and she dated him and it's like not relevant. We never talk about any of the male characters that way. Uh, I feel more confident that I have that we are we are heading in the right direction. And if we're not, we're just going to keep talking about it very loudly and saying yep. we don't like it. And you know what? If the people don't like it, if we're talking about it very loudly, well, I got some choice words for them that I can't say on the recording. <laughs> Uh, but we will also continue to champion that cause here at Blizzard Watch as that's something that we feel very strongly about as well. Um, before I do our, our normal outro, I would like you both to tell everybody where they can find you um, on socials and the products you produce, because you two are both amazing. Oh, bless you. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, you you can find... Okay, I'll go, I'll go. Uh, you have to specify someone, Joe. Come on, you know how podcasts <laughs> work, or else everybody talks at the same time. Uh, you can find Girls Gone Well on the Warcraft Radio Network. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at GGW Show. You can find me personally at Silky Raven. If you want to join in the wonderful GGW community, you can find us on Discord at girlsgonewell.net slash Discord. Uh, and I am I'm usually on Discord um, because everybody's on Discord. It's an amazing uh, way to keep up with the community. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Um, I'm totally underscore EJ on Twitter. I tweet about gaming and sometimes I get a bit ranty. So, uh, and cat. Cat's gaming and rantiness is basically what you'll find. 
I think our listeners are used to that combination. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I think so. And I think we're almost about that time of year where I'm going to be guesting on your show and Matt will be guessing on your show so we can talk about an entire expansion's worth of lore. Uh, So look forward to that as well. And everybody listening, please go check their show out. It is amazing. Uh, EJ and Raven are wonderful stewards of the community. They have been for years. Um, They have been personal friends of ours for a very, very long time. Uh, And I say that with uh, no small amount of humility uh, because I would not be here where I am sitting if it wasn't for people like them continuing to support the rest of the community. Uh, (laughs) There is a really good community. You know, I know that people talk about gaming communities. But there's a really good, strong, passionate, friendly, wow community out there. Um, Sometimes you have to look. Yeah, sometimes you just have to sift through some of the less good layers. But yeah, underneath somewhere, there are some amazing people lurking. And Blizzard Watch have always been at the forefront of that. Yes, very much so. And we wouldn't be here. And we wouldn't be here being able to produce this show without those supporters. Uh, So I'm going to do my normal spiel now, folks. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, If you are interested in reviewing or listening to this book, in particular the Sylvanas novel, you can go to audible.com slash Blizzard Watch, or I'm sorry, blizzardwatch.com slash Audible. It's been a while since I've had to plug a book, folks. Uh, (laughs) Blizzardwatch.com slash Audible. Sign up for 30 free days, and you can go ahead and download this wonderful, it's borderline a a like audio drama almost with yeah, the way that they yeah. do the with the way that Patty Matheson does the masterful voice work. Um minus maybe Zilval's voice, but I still love it anyway. Uh, so feel free to check that out. And as one last reminder, those of us at Blizzard Watch continue to stand with the community at large, the employees of Activision Blizzard, uh the game industry as they continue to unionize successfully. Congrats Raven. Uh QA and because <laughs> we have a Raven on the show now. Not me personally. No. <laughs> but congrats, Raven QA, uh, as they continue to work towards and demand a better tomorrow and a safer work environment. Uh, friends, thank you very, very much for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.